do, how you're going to spend your time, what you're going to, where you're going to go. That song we proclaimed, Yes, I will. Yes, I will. How, how is everybody this morning? Good. I'm glad the middle section is great. That's the only thing I heard. I can't see you because of these lights, but I heard from the middle section. So I asked this side of the room, how are you this morning? I'll ask this side of the room, how are you this morning? Good. I'm glad to be here, and I'm certainly glad that all of you are. Let me add to all the uh, folks who have already said it this morning, but welcome to Connections, and thank you for being here. Thank you for those that are online joining us out there in uh, Web World. And um, man, I know we've got a, a crowd over at, at Kings Mountain Campus, too. And, and I'm just excited about what God's doing in general, uh, not just at Connections Church, but in the lives of all of you. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, and I hope you do, maybe it's an electronic device, I need you to turn to 2 Corinthians. That's where we are and where we will be today. And specifically, I need you to be in chapter 4. Now, I hope that you are taking advantage of 2 Corinthians. And what I mean by that is I hope that over the last couple of weeks that we've been in this book on Sunday morning, and Pastor Roberts brought some some great messages out of 2 Corinthians, I hope that you've taken advantage and you are taking advantage of this letter that Paul wrote. Uh, Just as a refresher to you, if you weren't here with us, you can always go back and watch those online. Go to our Facebook page and click on that. Um, You can go back and refresh all of that. But just as, as a refresher to some of you who may not have already studied 2 Corinthians, and you don't know what's going on there, it's a letter that Paul, the apostle, wrote to a church in Corinth that he had planted. So if we were to go out to the mailbox today, well, it's Sunday, so we wouldn't be anything in there. But if we were to go out to the mailbox tomorrow, and there was a letter in there that an apostle had written to our church, we would peel that open, and in this day and time, we would call a meeting, and all of you would show up, right? Yeah, because you want to hear what the letter has to say. And someone, maybe me, maybe Pastor Terry, somebody would stand up here and they would say, thus saith the letter. And so that's what this letter is to 2 Corinthians. That's what's going on there is is Paul writes this letter and and the church has to to get together and hear the letter that was written. And I I don't know about you, but as I read through 2 Corinthians in a couple of cases, I had to chuckle. It's kind of funny, some of the things that Paul says to the church there. Now, he's written several other letters, some that we don't have in Scripture. Of course, we have 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. There were several other letters, some that were lost. We don't understand the content of what those were, but we do know from what Paul tells us in these letters that we do get to read that those letters may not have been that great. They weren't necessarily full of praise and full of this and, 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 and great muster. Some of those letters had a little bit of, oh, wow, I didn't realize we were going to get punched in the gut kind of stuff in them. And in 2 Corinthians, that's what Paul's doing is he, he's writing back to that church because he wanted to commend them. He wanted to say, listen, in that last letter that I wrote to you, man, that was tough. I understand that. He actually says in 2 Corinthians, I think it's in chapter 4 or 5, he says, I actually regretted sending that letter to you, but then I didn't regret it. Have you ever said anything that you kind of regretted, but then you thought about it some more and you didn't regret it? Hello? Anybody out there? You say it, you know you've got to script it, you know you've got to put it out there, so you hit send on what we do now. Not, not, not a whole lot of us using snail mail, but we write an email, and it's a scathing email, and we're going to show somebody what we're made of, and we hit send, and then we think, man, I don't know if I should have sent that. But then we think about it further, and we pray about it, hopefully we do, and we say, you know what? I had to. So I regret it, Paul says, but I don't regret it. So in the middle of the uh, uh, commending them for how they dealt with the issue that was in the third letter that we don't get to read, the, the letter that was scathing in a sense, the letter that said you need to deal with this sin in your church, we have to remember that the whole context of 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, these letters to the church at Corinth, is that he's writing to give them information, and he's writing to a what? Church. He's writing to church people. He's writing to Christians. I want you to keep that in mind this morning as you take out your outline, and and hopefully I'll I'll hit these sermon notes, but to be honest with you, I don't know. He's writing a letter to these people. They're church people. Turn to your neighbor and say they're church people. 
I want you to remember that. He's not writing a letter to necessarily to sinners. He's not necessarily writing a letter to people who are unchurched. This is the church that he birthed. He, he went through Corinth on a missionary journey and he set this church up and he put a pastor in charge and people started coming. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was there moving and these are church people. So keep that in mind. Now, I told a brother this week, we were having some conversations. And by the way, there's just gatherings that happen throughout the week at Connections Church that are just wonderful. Can I get an amen from somebody? And I was in one of those groups. I was in several of those group meetings this week, different times, different places. I think it was an impromptu meeting that I happened to walk in on. And I was telling another brother here while we were having that conversation that I'm changing. I know what y'all are thinking. I know, Pastor, I've seen some hair falling off the top of your head. I was going to mention it to you, but I didn't want to be rude. No, not that kind of changing, although that's happening too. There's some physical changing going on. I'm getting older, right? But there's something else going on inside me. Something down deep in here. Something's changing. Something's making me go back to this book. Everybody hold that up if you've got one. Hold up your phone if you're looking at your phone, but you've got a Bible on there. I'm going back to this book in some passages and some places that in the past I was either taught or someone preached or I may have read through or maybe my Sunday school teacher told me about it. I'm going back to that stuff and I'm doing this. Hmm. Anybody else? I I took some stuff for granted maybe in the past. I, I looked at some things just through the eyes of someone else's description, someone else's message like I'm speaking to you this morning. And I said, yep, that's the way it is. But now I'm going back to the Scripture. I'm going back to read it for myself. Maybe it's just my age. Maybe I'm getting a little senile. And I'm saying, what do I believe? What is in here? What what is God trying to tell me? What did Paul mean when he wrote these words? And so there's this changing that's going on inside of me. I'm questioning You say, well, pastor, that's probably not what you wanted to come to church this morning and tell us. Yeah, it is. Because I don't think our God minds when we question a little bit. Now, I'm not saying go home and question your faith and and, and maybe explore some other things and, and try some other stuff. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that I think God finds some challenge when we get this book in our hand and we read something and, and we pray about it and we say, God, I don't understand this. I'm questioning this. Show me what this says. I think there's some some learning to do in that. It's a digging deeper. So there's some things inside me that I'm starting to look at and and I'm holding this book up and I'm saying, show me, God, what's going in here. Here's what I'm doing. I'm diving in. I'm getting deeper into the Word and deeper into these Scriptures. And I'm not the kind of guy that's going to read a whole book, the whole book or letter of 1 Corinthians in, in a week. I just can't do it. I'll read a a verse and I'll get stuck on it for three days. Is anybody else like that? And you say, well, you're not going to finish your Bible plan if you do that. Okay. Because I want to know what this says. I want to understand this verse. There's some people in this church like that. There's, There's some people in this room that are like that and they'll get hung up on one word and they'll stay there for a week. I love that. Dig in. It's not a matter of how fast we can finish it. It's a matter of how well we know it. Ooh, that was good. It's not a matter of how fast we finish it. It's a matter of how much we know it. And so I'm reading through 2 Corinthians, and I'm understanding that this is a letter written to the church in Corinth, and that Paul wrote these words under the the guidelines of the Holy Spirit, and all these good things that we saw in the the, the first couple of chapters of, of 2 Corinthians, and last week, man, I'm gonna tell you what, Pastor Robert was on fire, and he talked about what? The joy of the Lord and the triumphantness don't know if that's a word, of the Lord and of the Christ and, and the beauty of that. And we talked about the parade. And man, I left church thinking, I want to be in the parade, right? And you guys, uh, just wonderful stuff in there. And then I got to chapter four this week. Now, let me give you a little bit of insight. P. Rob, Tiffany, the kids on a cruise. He said, you need to preach out of 2 Corinthians chapter seven. I ain't. I couldn't get past chapter 4. 
I got to chapter 4 and I'm reading this letter and I'm thinking, thank you, Paul. You're you're commending the church. They've done a great job. And then I start to read these words in chapter 4 where he starts to remind them of some things. And I said, why? What is going on? Why why would he pick chapter 4? Why would he pick this point in the letter to talk about these particular things. And so I want to share them with you this morning in case you, you haven't really had time to, to look over it or, or in case you haven't read 2 Corinthians in a while, I would really encourage you to do that. Because God sent you here this morning to hear this. To hear what, what His Word says. Does anybody believe that, by the way? We're not just here because we just got up out of the bed this morning and there was nothing else on the calendar to do. We're, we're ordained. Our steps are ordered by who? The Lord. He, he, he decided this morning that those of you who are watching on Facebook or YouTube or however you're watching us, those of you who are here in this room, he decided this morning this would be the great day for you to come and hear this. And he picked me to deliver the mail. And so as we go to chapter 4 in, in 2 Corinthians, I love what, what, what's going on here. And, and we're not going to be able to go time-wise through each and every scripture. But we, we know that Paul's writing to Christians. They're, they're church people. They, these are people who, who have been a part of a church there in Corinth for a while. And so they're like you and me, right? They get involved in a small group and they're doing some things for, for other folks. They're going out to Flowers Court with us this afternoon to distribute some backpacks because we hope that we'll have a ministry opportunity in the middle of school supply stuff. All of that stuff that we do... But then Paul realizes there's some people that are struggling. Paul says, you know what? The Holy Spirit's telling me I need to add this to the letter. There's some people in the church in Corinth who aren't excited about church. There's some people in the church in Corinth that that aren't excited about God. As a matter of fact, although they want to very, very badly go out and serve or or, or work in a ministry area, or they wanted to call the pastor this past week and say, you know, God's really laid this on my heart. They don't. When the, when the envelopes are placed on the, on the chairs and somebody says, hey, let, you know, give to the missions team that's going because, man, we're going to go over there and we're going to support a ministry and do some radical things for Christ. They, they want to. Something down deep inside of them says, yep, I should do that. But they don't in the church there in Corinth. And Paul knew that. He, he may not have known it, but something uh, triggered that. The Holy Spirit told him, he said, said, write to those people and say these words and just follow along. I'm not going to read everything, but he's writing to church people. Don't, don't forget about that. And so he writes, therefore, that verse 1, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, that's the ministry of reconciliation, that is Jesus, we do not lose heart. I love that. If we stopped right there, and went home, we would have what we need out of this. You see, we're kind of thick-headed, and the people in Corinth were too. And, and even though Paul wrote to them and said, don't lose heart. As a matter of fact, if you go down to verse 16, you'll see it again. He says, don't lose heart. I asked myself this week as I was going through this, why does he need to remind people in the church not to lose heart? That's how I study the Word, and I'm not perfect at it, and I don't always get it right, but I'm trying to tell you that these are the kinds of thoughts that come to me when I'm studying God's Word. I don't just take it at face value. I say, God, why, did, why is this in here? Why is Paul having to remind these people in the church at Corinth not to lose heart? What, what's up with that? He goes on and says, Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, he said, to those who are perishing, it's veiled by the God of this world. How many of you see that in your Bible? The God of this world. Now, I want you to notice something very plainly in there. That is a small, lowercase g. Who is the God of this world? Satan is the God of this world. And why is Paul having to remind church people that there are people that that are out there that are veiled, their eyes are covered, they can't see the truth of the light of Jesus Christ. It's because they have allowed themselves to be veiled by the God of that age and the God of this age. He's the same God of the age as Paul was talking about in this letter. Some people just can't see it. Do you know anybody that just can't see it? Am I here by myself? We all know those people. Paul says their their, their eyes are veiled. They can't see the truth because they've allowed things to go on in their life for so long. And I'm thinking to myself, why is he telling church people this? 
I question that. Why do I have to come here this morning and tell you that there may be some people out there that their eyes are veiled to the truth, to the gospel. They, they just can't see it. And it hit me. I was just about to hit myself in the head and I restrained myself. I'm so glad. He wanted them to know that's not you. Let me say that again. Paul wanted them to know there are people like that that are out there that are veiled. They can't see the, the God of this age, small g God of this age has, has blinded them to the truth. Paul wanted to remind the church at Corinth, that's not you. I, I'm here to remind you this morning, that's not you. You may feel veiled at some point. You, you some points in your life, you may feel like you can't see the truth. You may feel like it's not there. You may feel like God's abandoned you. But that's not you. If you have Jesus Christ inside of you, the Holy Spirit of Christ inside of you, if you have made a decision at some point in your life to follow Christ and you have repented of your sins and asked Him to come and be the Lord of your life, that's not you. You're not those people. And I think that's why Paul put that in there. So I realize that there's some of you today here as one of the pastors at this church, while, while I study the Word for, for a time like this where I get to come and share and, and, and I come in and, 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 and stand in front of you with all of the obligations that God has laid on me as one of the pastors in this church, I'm here this morning understanding that some of you are right on the edge of losing heart. That's why Paul had to tell the church at Corinth that because he knew there would be some people that would hear that letter read from, from the front of that congregation and they were right on the edge of losing heart. Now in their situation, if you study the city of Corinth and we don't have time to go into that, they were living in idolatry. They were living in a filthy city. They were living in a, in a place where all around them was negative, was bad. Does it sound like anywhere that you might live? Has anything changed since Corinth? Has anything really changed besides cell phones? I mean, ask yourself that question, right? And he knew that there were some people that were there that in fact had got right to the edge of losing heart. And I know that there are some people in this room, some people who will listen to this this week, some people who are live online right now that are right on the edge of losing hope. Are losing heart. Last week, we received an anonymous prayer request that came to me after church and I shared with our prayer team. And the person wrote on this card that they were right at the edge. As a matter of fact, some of the words said, I don't know how much more I can take. Now you take that any way you want to. And if you're in this room or listening to this this morning, you're here for this day. We've all been there, have we not? In some situation in our life where we were right at the edge and we were about to lose heart, we didn't know how much more we could take. If you've ever been there this morning, say amen. So I realized this morning that some of you who are here today have lost heart or you're right at the edge of losing heart. You're about to fall over the edge if you want to put it that way. And I realized that that's what's wrong with some of us. As I stand here and, and, and I'm down here worshiping while the team is, is, is ministering to us in song, some of you can't get your hands out of your pockets. Now, I'm not here to give you a lesson on how to worship because I grew up all different ways and I am who I am and all of us worship God in different ways. I'm not saying what you do is right or wrong, but I do notice when some people, I think the Holy Spirit prompts me to, to see that some people it just it, they can't. They've lost heart. I, I know that some of you here today, when we get together in, in time to pray, there's no words that come out. You, you'll almost run from the opportunity, or if you think it's coming, you, suddenly you've got another appointment. And I'm not here to bash anybody this morning, but I am here to be real with us this morning and, and to look at ourselves and examine ourselves and say, what's wrong? What's going on? Because the Bible says that we should be joyful at how many times a day? All times. The Bible says that we should lift up praise. The Bible says as some of those songs, those lyrics of some of those songs this morning were beautiful. Isn't it amazing how God will put things together on the right day? We don't get together and plan that. 
But we're to lift up our hands and worship. We're to praise Him. We're to shout, one of those songs said. And some people can do that and some people don't. But as I look uh, across Connections Church, sometimes I don't see energy. I I don't see uh, a passion. Sometimes I see a lack of faith in, in certain situations. And I know we all can at some point in our life be on the edge of losing Heart. So quickly, as I try to get through this, and y'all didn't give me two hours this morning like I requested, Paul made it his business, and I'm making it my business today to remind you of something that you need to know. Don't lose heart. Circle it in your Bible. Underline it in your Bible. Highlight it on your phone. It's in verse 1 and verse 16. Don't lose heart. Heart. And then Paul continues, and I, and I love the picture that, that happens here in verse 7. Paul continues in, in, in this writing to the church, and he says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Why would he have to remind the church, church people, Christians, that they have this power in jars of clay? Well, it's because they didn't get it. It's because they weren't remembering it. And maybe some of you, maybe some of us this morning aren't remembering it. You say, jars of clay, I've heard that before. I think somebody did a song not too long back on that. Where does that come from? What is he talking about? you got to go all the way back to Judges chapter 7. Can I teach for just a second? Judges chapter 7. You say, well, I don't really get into the Old Testament. You've got to. Because there's meat in there that you need to know. Paul says jars of clay, and instantly my mind said, where is that? I've heard that before. Judges chapter 7, there's a guy by the name of Gideon. Anybody ever heard of Gideon? Gideon's about to lead the army into the Midianite territory because God said, I'm going to give you that land. Gideon says, cool. He gets all the men together. There's 32,000 of them, and God says, that's too many. You ever been going into battle and you had your army ready and God said you got too many with you? Not too many of us have been in that situation. But God said, 32,000, too many. I'll tell you why. Because if you go in there and you whoop up on them and run them out of the land with 32,000 people, you're going to bow up and go, look what we did. And God said, that's not the way it's going to be. It's going to be, look what I did. So very, very quickly, there's a process to whittle that number down. There was some lapping of water that went on. Well, first of all, God said, why don't you just ask however many of them would just be scared and want to leave. He asked them, and 22,000 of them bailed. There was only 10,000 of them left. God said, now take them down, get them something to drink. The ones that lap with their hand like this versus the ones that stick their tongue in the water. Let's just see how that works out. They did that and 300 of them stuck their tongue in the water. God said, there's your 300 guys. The rest of them can go home. We went from 32,000 to 300 just like that. And we're going to wipe out the Midianites? Yes, sir. Because we got God on our side. And he said, if we'll go and take the land, he'll give it to us. Amen. There's some areas in some of your lives where God's already given you the land. You're still trying to put your army together. He sent me here today to tell you to go. Go now. You've got what you need. God already told you you can have that area in your life. Maybe it's that area of, of depression that you keep wrestling with. God said, you can have victory over that. You've already got what you need if you'll just call on me this morning. So anyway, 300 guys plus Gideon. Gideon gives them all jars of clay. This is what we're talking about really quickly. And a trumpet. They gather that together. They send 100 guys this way, 100 guys that way, and 100 guys this way. Gideon says, when I tell you, I want you to blow your trumpets and I want you to break the jars. Well, that'll make you preach right there. So at the right time, Gideon told this 100 guys, blow your trumpets and break your jars. And when they did, the lamp, the light that was underneath the jar came out. He gave the signal and another, two, another 100 over here broke their jars and blew their trumpets. And then the and blew their trumpets and the Midianites went nuts. God caused them to turn on themselves and the entire Midianite army was destroyed. And guess how that worked out? God gave Gideon the land. So when we see Paul refer to that in this passage, something has to rise up inside of us because we know that story from the Old Testament and we say, do I have a jar? The answer is yes. You have jars of clay, Paul says. You've got a power inside that jar on that day that Gideon took the the Midianites out. It was a light inside of there. Guess what's in your jar today? A light! 
And it's the light of Jesus Christ himself. I'm blessing myself. I don't know how you guys are feeling out there, but this this is good stuff right here. Keep going. In verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says and reminds these people, we are pressed on every side. How many of you came here this morning feeling pressed on every side? Now, I pictured a great press. A great press. And, and, and as the, the grapes are entered into this, this great press, it had, it had this great crank on it, and, and the wood sides that came in to crush the grapes, there was a great amount of pressure from all sides on the great press. But if we take that to our current day lives, we, we, we know the pressures of life, do we not? Some of us have, have too much of that going on in our lives, and, and maybe we're, we need to find some areas where we could cut out a, a piece of that pressure that's coming on. But God didn't say He was going to take that pressure away. He reminded us through this writing that Paul wrote to Corinth, you are pressed on every side. There's pressure. There, there's pain. You, you turn this way, and it's pressure. You, you say, well, I'll go this way. Pressure. You turn this way, it's, it's pain. It's pressure. There's just something coming on from all sides. You know what that looks like, don't you? Maybe it's tension at work. Maybe it's a family matter. It could be kids. It could be people. Uh, it, it could be a number of things, but there's pressure coming from every side. But, Paul says... You're not crushed. Don't you love that? There, there, there's pressure on every side, but we will not be crushed. Will you say that with me this morning? I will not be crushed. Now, is that because you decided you're not going to be crushed? Is that because you put the, the protections in place yourself that you won't be crushed? No. It doesn't have anything to do with you. Whoa. Let me say that out loud again. In case you thought it had something to do with you, it doesn't have anything to do with you. The reason Paul reminded the people in Corinth and the reason I'm here today to remind you that even though the pressures of life are coming from every side and they are heavy, you will not be crushed. Somebody desperately needed to hear that this morning. That is a Bible promise. That is something you can get up tomorrow morning. You may have to do it before this day out. And you may say, God, I feel the pressure of life coming in from every side. But your word says, I will not be crushed. How many of us could learn to stand on something like that this morning, right? That's one of those nuggets out of Scripture. And you say, oh, I'm going to put that on an index card. That bad boy's going on my mirror, right? I will not be crushed So let me just tie a bow on that one for you. Give it to you in a little package. The tremendous amount of power and pressure that comes from every side and you feel like it's going to completely flatten you. God said to you this morning, you will not be crushed. Paul had to remind church people of that. I'm here today to remind church people of that. I understand some of the pressures of life. Some of you got way more experience in some areas than I do. And some things are heavy But this word says, you will not be crushed. Amen? Amen. Keep going. Paul says, not only will you have pressure on every side, and he understands that, but you will not be crushed. But he says, we are perplexed. What in the world does perplexed mean? That kind of means confused, right? We're perplexed. We don't know what to do. Things are so out of sorts and out of disarray. We have no idea which way to turn. Paul said, I understand that you'll be like that. I I get the fact that you're there in Corinth. I get the fact that you're there at Connections Church this morning. And life is confusing. You're perplexed. Maybe you're a youth student and and you've got a lot of choices in front of you. And and life is perplexing. It's confusing. It kind of makes you want to go, hmm. Will you all do that with me this morning? Hmm. Maybe you're midlife. Maybe you're a little bit older, but life's still confusing. You don't understand some of the things that God's allowed to happen in your life. There, there's some stuff that you just don't understand, and we have a tendency sometimes to hold on to those things. Paul says, I get it. You're perplexed. You don't understand. There's some things that are out of place. How many of us have ever felt disjointed? Like some stuff's just out of place. says you're perplexed but what you're not in despair you're not in despair what's the difference between being perplexed and not being in despair 
Perplexed means I get it, I'm confused, I don't know which way is up, it's kind of topsy-turvy, things just don't feel right, but I can hold on to this nugget. Here's another nugget, are you ready? Don't be in despair. There's hope. The opposite of being in despair is to have hope. And Paul's reminding church people, and I'm here reminding you this morning, that even though you might not know which end is up, you're not in despair. You will not be in despair. There is hope. You might be perplexed, confused. You feel like an alien. Guess what? If you're a Christ follower, you are an alien. This is not your home. This world is not our home. I am just passing through. I'm an alien here. That's why sometimes some things just feel super confusing and you don't understand because you're not in your home. Something inside you has changed. The, The scripture says that once we receive Christ, we are what? New creations. How can a new creation live in this world and feel at home? You can't. So stuff's going to be confusing. But Paul says, and I'm here reminding you this morning, don't give up because you have hope. What is that hope? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is that hope. You don't have to always be out of sorts. You don't have to always feel like you're in a pickle. You don't have to always be sideways. Do not despair. You have hope. And His name is Jesus Christ. That was a great time for an amen right there. So not only does Paul say that you are pressed on every side, but you are not crushed, you are perplexed, but you are not in despair. But he says you might be persecuted. So a lot of us don't understand persecution because we haven't been to a place in the world where that's real. We read about it on TV. We may even see some of it on the screen in front of us. And we say, well, they're being persecuted. A lot of us haven't experienced that personally there may be people who point fingers. There may be family members that make fun of, their, uh, of you because you're a Christ follower. There may be things that, times that will cre- uh, creep up in your life in the future that, that you have to decide at that moment to take a stand for Christ and all of a sudden the whole crowd is against you. Persecuted, Paul says. Now that may, had a, it was a different picture in the, in the time that this letter was written because they were actually facing uh, persecution. And some of them gave their lives, were physically stoned or, or hung or, or heads removed if need be in the, in the streets of Corinth because of their belief in Jesus Christ. Thank God He put us, all of us, in a day and age where we don't have to face that kind of persecution, but we still face persecution So even though persecution may look different here than it does in a a Christian church in a Muslim country, think about what kind of persecution they might might face. Think about the the church who has to meet underground because it's illegal in the country. Think about uh, our our missionary friend that's in Egypt all the time where Christianity is illegal. What would you face there as far as persecution is is concerned? Persecution, Paul says, you, you may face that, but there's always a but. You're not abandoned. You're not abandoned, Paul says. Now you can take comfort in that this morning because that's one of those promises of God that says even when you face that persecution in your life, I got you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got you. He said, you're going to be persecuted perhaps. He's talking to the church. Don't forget that. He's saying, I get it. I understand you're being persecuted, but you are not abandoned. What does that mean? That means somebody's always there with you. Who is always there with you? God. He hasn't abandoned you. You are not overlooked. You are not significant. Insignificant. He said, I've not abandoned you. I've not overlooked you. You're not insignificant. version of this passage that says we are not deserted to stand alone. Isn't that rich? Don't you find something like that in, in, in the Bible when you're studying it and you're just like, man, that's rich right there. You are not persecuted to stand alone. You may be persecuted, but God's saying, I got you. I'm with you. I will always be right there with you. You are not going to have to stand alone. On the contrary, if you read Scripture, you see things like this where the Bible says, Lo, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. Does that sound like you'll have to stand alone? Absolutely not. You see pictures like this. Doesn't it say somewhere, I will never leave you or forsake you? Doesn't it say that? Don't we get a picture of togetherness in Genesis when we read that God walked together in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve? It wasn't a picture of standing alone. It was a picture of togetherness, relationship. And isn't it God in the Old Testament who tells His people to build a tent? 
Why does he tell them that? Because he wants to come and do what? Dwell with them. He wants to be part of their lives. He doesn't want to be that God that's way up there. He says, if you'll build me a tent, a tabernacle, some of you might know it to be called, I will come and I will dwell with you. That was Old Testament. That's rich today because what we know is when Jesus came in the New Testament, we became the what? The tabernacle, the tent. He says that you are now the dwelling place of Jesus Christ. He will send His Holy Spirit to be in you and live through you. And so no longer are we looking out in the field going, hey, God's out there in the tent. We're saying, not God's right here. He's with me. And so none of that gives us the picture of, of us having to stand alone. All of that, including Jesus coming in the manger, because John says in his word that the word became flesh to come and what? Dwell among us. Nothing says we'll have to stand alone. Everything says He will always be there for us. And we don't have to lose heart this morning because that relationship that we can have with Jesus, who was a baby in the manger, who now dwells among us, is the light of the world that we have in that clay pot. We will never have to stand alone. Verse 9 says, we may be struck down. We might be struck down, but we will not be destroyed. Now, I like that. Because I don't know about you, but going through life, I've taken some hits. Anybody? I, I, I've taken some to the jaw. I, I've had the black eye. Paul's reminding the church at Corinth, you might be struck down. And I get old boxing kind of visual in my head when I think about that. Or maybe a little bit of comic book stuff. Pow! Kooyah! We've all been hit. We've all taken our hits. The enemy has come after us, and, and sometimes we didn't even put our guard up because we were too doggone tired to even do it. And put down! Lip bleeding. Wow! Come in on the other side. Man, and now my, my eyes all swole up. We've all taken our hits. I don't know what the hits are that you've taken in your life, but Paul's not only acknowledging them, but saying as a Christ follower, we, we may be struck down. You, you may be down on the mat, man. You, you may have come in here today and thought, this is it. I, I'm on the mat. This, this is the last hit I can take. I can't take much more. See, I told you God had you here for a reason. Because part of that that Paul then reminds the church of Jesus Christ is that you may be struck down, but you will not be what? The way I am. You think I heard from my wife at lunch that day. But that's the truth. I'm perfect the way I am because I've got Jesus Christ living inside me. I will never die. Never. You can kick my tail. You can black my eye. You can bloody my lip. I can be struck down and down on the mat and the, the referee is counting. One, two. But this word I'm standing on today says I will not be destroyed. That's good news for somebody here today. Man, because you've taken it this week. Oh, life's been hard the last month. Paul reminds the church. You've been hit. You're taking it to the jaw. But you can't be destroyed. Now that's the kind of truth and that's the kind of power right there that can light my fire. You know what I'm saying? Now, when I come into church on Sunday morning, and I love coming into church, I ask Julie, I get up way early on Sunday morning, and I'm like standing at the door waiting on time to leave so I can get here. Why? Because I got something burning inside me. I told you guys, something's changing inside me. I used to just get up on time to just get here. But now there's just this fire. There's just something inside me that says, I want to get there. I didn't even know what I was getting to get here to get to get to do this morning. I just wanted to get to God's house. Something is going on inside me. And it's because of stuff like this that says, you're going to face persecution, but don't lose despair. You're going to get hit, but you can't be destroyed. You're going to lose hope, but don't, because I am your hope. I love that. And when I come in here with all of you, and somebody starts a singing, and I notice... 
that the words on the screen are what my heart is trying to express to God, I can't help it but sing out loud. And I know my voice ain't great. And some of you already told me, man, you need to calm it down on Sunday mornings. I can hear you over everybody else. Well, guess what? You need to sing louder and drown me out because I can't keep it inside. Something's got to come out. The hands have got to go up. Somebody's got to understand that it's Jesus Christ in me, my hope and my glory, my Father that I'm singing to. And you can stand there and stare if you want to. But I can't do it. And that's what Paul was trying to remind these people in Corinth. You're God's people. That's what I'm here to remind you of this morning. You are God's people. You can't be beat. You are on the winning team. I heard Pastor Robert say that last week. It's already been decided. You're on the winning team. That should give any of us cause to Shout with joy. That should give any of us cause if we need it to rise up as people of God and stand on this Word when the problems of life hit and they're coming because that's in here too. It doesn't say it's going to be a bed of roses. He never promised you a rose garden. I don't think that's scriptural. I think that's a country song. But it's true. But He did promise you these things right here that you have a jar of clay and that when you decide and you're going to decide that this morning that even though life's been tough you're going to bust that jar open and the light of Jesus Christ is going to shine out you're going to break that jar Gideon's given the call today he said break the jar because it's the power that's inside the jar not of yourself but of the Holy Spirit of God that's going to shine that's going to radiate that people are going to see that even though you're in persecution that even though you've been cast down that even though everything is falling in on you in life you still got a smile on your face you still got the joy of the Lord in your heart you're still standing on his promises that are true and a man and that was a good time for an amen right there too perplexed but not in despair, we still have hope. Pressed in on every side, but never crushed. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You say, well, I am cast down today. And there's a beautiful picture of what a cast down sheep looks like in Scripture. A cast down sheep, that's a real thing. It's got too much hair. I don't know anything about that. He's been out in the field and the dew got him. He, it, was a, it was one of them nights when the dew fell heavy. He had too much hair on his back and he kind of lost some sure footing and he fell over. Sheep can't get up in that situation. The Bible refers to that as a sheep that's cast down. A lot of us are in that situation this morning. We're cast down. We're on our backs, man. It, 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 it's going to take something to get us up because not only are, are, are we down for the count, but we can't roll ourselves back over to save our life. Let me tell you the good news this morning. Out in that field where that sheep got cast down, there will be a shepherd to come along because the shepherd takes care of his sheep. And that shepherd had a staff, had a hook on the end of it, and he'd take that staff and he'd go just to the other side of that sheep and he'd give him a jerk and bring him right back up on his feet. That probably wasn't that easy like I just did. He probably had to really lay into it because we're talking about a sheep, big sheep, right? But he pulls it back up and maybe the staff had to kind of uh, dig into his side a little bit, right? But he eventually righted that sheep. And then noticing that that sheep had lost his footing like that, fell over, couldn't get up on his own, the shepherd said, you know what I need to do? I need to trim. I need to take this sheep in for a haircut. And so there's times in life when that sheep probably didn't enjoy life real well. He's got a staff in his side and he's being rocked back up and he's like, man, ow, whoa. And then they come in with the shears and start shearing on him and he's like, man, I didn't know I was going to have to go to Great Clips today. This is crazy. But the reason that that's done is because that shepherd wants to make sure that that sheep's life is saved. We can rejoice today because we have Jesus who is our good shepherd. He knows that you're rolled on your back this morning. He knows that life's been tough. He knows and He knew you were going to be here this morning. And He wants to roll you back up on your feet. He's going to have to take His staff and do it. And it may hurt. It may poke into the side a little bit. There might be some things in your life that got to go to save your life. But Jesus cares so much about you 
loves you so much this morning that he's willing to take that old shepherd's staff and hook you on the side and give you a jerk to bring you back to your feet. Now, after he does that, he may have to give you a haircut. There may be some things that in the weeks ahead, something's, something's got to happen and, and some of that's got to come off to preserve your life. But when he's done, you will be standing upright again. You will have the fire of His Holy Spirit burning inside you again as you once did. You will walk with feet that are steadfast and sure. And you will be able to sing the praises of your God with vigor and passion and fervor and energy. And you will want to run and go tell the other sheep what God did for you. That's the picture. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning as we, as we finish our time up together? Here's what, I'm, here's what I'm looking for. I know that some of you here today really needed to hear this message. I know the reason that you can't seem to live for Jesus the way you, you desperately want to live for, for Jesus is, is because you, somewhere along the way, lost heart. Or, or you started to lose heart. You were in the right place today because Jesus sent me here to tell you, don't lose heart. The picture might not look good. It may actually look really bad. But I want you to forget, if you can, about that for just a moment. As a matter of fact, I want you to forget about church. I want you to forget about religion. I want you to forget about all that stuff for just a moment and focus on that good shepherd. That good shepherd that desperately wants to pull you back up. He wants to make you right this morning. You, you are who I'm talking to. You have waited long enough. Now some of you are church people. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven, but life has got you in a bad place. You're in a pickle. One of those words, one of those phrases from Paul's letter to the church at Corinth resounded inside of you this morning, whether it was perplexed or persecuted, beat down, confused. You heard that and you said, yep, that's exactly what I am this morning. And I started to not even come here, Pastor. I'm looking for some people today that will get up out of their seats and walk down here with me and say with a strong, resounding spirit inside of them that I have a treasure in a clay pot. I realized that this morning and that that treasure is Jesus and I need to let it shine brighter than I've ever let it shine before. I need you to just get up and come down here if that's you. Maybe it's you this morning that I'm looking for to walk out of your seat this morning and come down here to say, I feel the pressure of life. It, 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 all kinds of stuff's been pushing on me. It's from every side, just like you said, but I can't be crushed. I realized that this morning. It's because the Spirit of God lives inside of me and the Bible says, and I will stand on it this morning, that I cannot be crushed. I'm feeling the pressure, but I can't be crushed. I'm looking for some people that will walk down here this morning and say, I have been confused. I am confused. I'm perplexed at this moment, but I still have hope. I heard what you said this morning, Pastor, and it's the hope of Jesus Christ I'm going to hang on to. I may not get the answers. It may not be clear when I walk out of here, but one thing will be clear is that I was obedient to, to God's Word and that I'm standing on His promises that I still have hope. I'm looking for some people today that will walk down here and say, I've been persecuted, but I am not left to stand alone. Just get up out of your seat and come on down. Don't wait. You say, I've been persecuted, but I will not stand alone. The Bible is telling me right now, I will not stand alone. That's a promise from God. I don't have to do this thing on my own. I have Jesus. I'm looking for some people today that are willing to say that. I, I'm going to depend on Him. And I'm looking for some people today that say, I've taken some hits, Pastor. Right to the chin, black eye, uppercut, kapow. But I heard what you said this morning that I am standing today because I have the good shepherd. He's going to jerk me back up. I'm giving him permission to do that. I'm going to allow that to happen in my life. Come on, who else is coming? You see, when we read this word and we get it to drop from our heads up here to our hearts down here, one of the longest miles in life, you might say, we realize that that old, lazy, no-energy, half-hearted, leftover worship that we come in and offer to God just won't cut it. When we get this understanding, 
comes out as joy unspeakable and full of glory. It comes out with a passionate praise. It, it comes out with our hands lifted high. It comes out with singing. We just can't help it. So those of you who are just simply about to lose heart today, I want you to come. I would love to pray with you. My prayer team, if you're on the prayer team, I need you to come down and pray with these people. I need you to, 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 to pray over them. If they feel like talking, I need you to get in their face, find out what it is that's going on in their life. This is not a time to play. This is not a time to, to be half-hearted. This is not a time to say, well, you know, they've got time. No, today may be it for them. So as they play softly, give us time to, to speak to these needs and pray over these needs. If you need to be here, it's not too late. See, I told you I'm in that place in my life where I'm rethinking everything. I'm looking at everything, every area of my life. I'm saying, God, where would you want to work on me? Where, where do I need to get straight with you? Where, where is it, God, that I need to please you better? What do I need to get rid of? Maybe I need to come down here this morning and I need to repent of some things that are going on in my life. I don't know. But I'm asking you, begging you, imploring you as your pastor, one of your pastors this morning, do not wait. The Bible says today is the day of repentance. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that He, he designed for you to be here. So don't wait. You say, well, pastor, you didn't really cover what I need this morning. What do you need? Jesus is everything. Maybe you need healing in your body this morning and you would just love for somebody to, to pray with you and acknowledge that in your life so you could share that. Come on. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus. You, you have no idea what I was even talking about this morning. You know there was a letter written to some church way back then and you're trying to figure out how does that even apply to me? Let me tell you how it applies to you. Jesus Christ, the same Jesus that Paul wrote about in that letter to that church way back then, is calling you today. Because He knows that you've got things going on in your life, sin going on in your life, perplexed areas of your life. You're taking it to the chin all the time. He's calling you today to come and let Him help you with that. Will you come? As these that are, have already responded are praying, I want you that are seated to just go ahead and pray with them. Maybe extend a hand forward. I believe in the power of prayer. Would you just pray? You don't know specifically what they need, but just pray for them. If you know their name, call their name. While they continue to pray, not trying to shortcut anything, but let me add the end of the chapter to what we discussed this morning. This is the arrow that hits right here in the heart. Paul writes in verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart.
You see, the question disappears at that point, and he says, we do not. We do not lose heart because of this. We, we do not lose heart because of what's going on. We, we do not lose heart, Paul says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Isn't that good news? He says, I hear you, Christian brother, sister. I know. But you're being renewed day by day. He continues and says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Those light afflictions, those things that are heavy, that are burdened. Paul says, don't forget, those are temporary. They won't last long. He continues and says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. I'm going to say that again because somebody, somebody's letting that drop from here to here. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Will you thank God for His Word this morning? Oh God, thank You that in the midst of our stuff, You're eternal. We can fix our eyes on You. We don't, we don't have to be like the rest of the world that goes around looking at the temporary Looking at the temporary pain. Looking at the temporary struggle. Looking at the, the temporary financial situation. Looking at the temporary loss of job. Looking at the temporary relationship issue. It's all temporary. So God, this morning, we take our eyes off the temporary. I don't know how to instruct these people, God, to do that. Because I don't know how to do it. But Your Word says to do it. So God, help us take our eyes off the temporary. Help us take our eyes off the, the things that we can see. We want to see You. I started the, the whole day telling you that. I, I want to see You. I want to see the eternal. I want to see that which I can't see right now. Will You help us, God? Will Y'all petition with me. Plead. You know, prayer is, is not just putting your needs out there in, in a soft, mellow tone. Sometimes somebody... I'm looking for some people that will plead with God for what they need and for what this church needs. God, we need to see You. We need to get our eyes off of the, the temporary things of this world. We need to quit being distracted, God, with the things that make no difference. God, help us to see You this morning. We got everyone stand across this room this morning. Here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is here. He has been here all morning before you even arrived. His presence is thick in this place. And even though some came and responded and left, this door's not closed. Joseph mentioned it earlier. I'm mentioning it again. I will meet you here. I, I have nothing else that I would rather do than meet you here. I'll meet you over in that corner. Let me know. You let one of the folks on our prayer team know, I need God to move in a certain way. And I want to see Him. I want to get my eyes off the temporary stuff and get my eyes on the eternal. I, that's why I'm here this morning. I don't know if you sense the desperation in my tone, but that's how I feel this morning. The best I know how to tell you, Jesus is here. And He's here for you. So, Father God, we praise You today. We worship You today. We're reminded today not only of who we are in You, but that as You break that jar of clay that we've been holding on to and Your light starts to shine out, that our mission and our goal is to go and tell somebody else about that. I thank You today, God, for the changes that You You've brought upon some people here, some people who have listened over the internet, some people who will listen to this this week. You're a life-changing God. And I thank You for the changes that are going on inside of me. I thank You for the changes that are going on inside this worship team, the changes that are going on inside this student ministry, the, the men's group, the connect groups that meet throughout the week, the ladies' groups. God, You're doing a work in us. And today was just a reminder of our hope is and, and what we have to hang on to. So as we leave this place in just a minute, I want to remind all of us the reason you wouldn't send Gideon in there with 32,000 men. 
Because your word says that you wanted to get the glory for the win. And so, God, in our lives, as we break those clay pots and let your light shine, I pray this week you'll get the glory for the win. Don't let us boast up and get cocky. Let us point to our Father who is in heaven and say, I am a child of God. I'm His. He rescued me. He's kept me this far. He has healed me. He has delivered me. He has provided for me. I'm pointing to the sky. This is my Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be His name. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, O God, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Can somebody here say amen? Somebody say it louder than that. He deserves more than that. Amen. Amen and amen. If you'd be seated for just a minute, I know we always ask you to do that, and I know you were wanting to leave. I'm going to let you leave in three minutes. Joey, Kelly, come on, somebody. One of you get up here. Joey and Kelly are here from Honduras this week. Give them a round of applause, would you? They're going to share for two and a half minutes what God's doing in Honduras and encourage you in, in the Lord. And so I wanted to give them an opportunity to do that before we left. Good morning, everybody. Um, so we kind of discussed what we were going to talk about this morning. And as always, I feel like God just kind of shifted what I was going to say. So um, I think we've only been up here in front of you all uh, one time that we didn't both cry. <laughs> so um, and just kind of Maybe a reason behind that is everybody's asked me this morning, how are you? How have y'all been? This and that. What's it like since you've been back? Um, kind of a picture that I have in my head is while we're in Honduras and we're on the field and, and, and Robert and Scott and, and Terry, anybody in ministry, I feel like you always have, you know, your shoulders are back, your head's held high, and you don't have a chance to just really be vulnerable. You don't have a chance to be real. But I think that when we're here in the States, we have a chance to just kind of exhale and just let everything out. Um, so I think that's maybe why we just get a little bit emotional when we're here. Um, we don't have to have that mask on. Um, but something God was just showing me in the, the message, Scott, by the way, great message. Um, don't lose heart. Um, I just, when he talked about the wine press, I, I pictured us in the wine press. Um, and so, so many times it gets, there's a lot of pressure. Um, and not, not, I'm not trying to put focus on us as missionaries, but anybody in ministry, anybody in life, there's pressure. And God just gave me this vision of, of him in the wine press, just kind of holding the walls. And we won't be crushed, guys. We haven't been crushed. We won't be crushed. And, and the vision that I had of the Lord, uh, just holding those, wa those walls in the wine press, quickly just kind of changed to you all. Like you all are holding those walls for us. You're holding those walls for Scott. You're holding those walls for the person sitting next to you. For the person you live next door to, um, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we're not brothers and sisters in Christ, that's because they haven't been adopted to be our brother and sister in Christ yet. Um, so I just have that vision of let's hold the walls um, for each other. And I just want to say thank you all for the encouragement, the um, holding the walls for us, for, for loving us and being there for us. Um, yeah, so that has nothing to do with any kind of ministry update. Um, would you like to share something? He was supposed to get a ministry update, um, but also when Scott was talking and talking about Julie um, sitting in lunch and kind of fussing at him or questioning what he said, about three and a half, four years ago, we sat at our lunch table and said, does Scott really say that in front of everybody? Like, can he even say that? And Joey probably knows what I'm saying, but he made the statement that Jesus wrecked his life. Um, and that basically, if you can come on Saturday, this Saturday um, at five o'clock here in the church, we're basically going to share about our ministry, the ministry update he didn't give. Um, and really just how Jesus has wrecked our lives, but it's the but he gave us his life. Um, even something simple that if we would share, we'd both sit here and ball. Um, baby Santiago, you guys have read about in the newsletter. Um, I had plans. I wasn't having any more children. I had closed that door off. I didn't want the hurt. Um, that many of you foster parents know. I'm hurting right now because he's 1,500 miles away from me. But God has laid out a beautiful plan for us that we never could have seen coming. He wrecked every plan that Joey and I had and gave us his. 
Um, and so we'd like to share with you guys more about it. Um, and so we're going to have a dinner um, this Saturday. The ladies of the church are amazing and have stepped up to help um, serve all the food. And we have amazing auction items. Um, but we are going to give a ministry update. Tell more about Santiago because he is definitely a huge part of our hearts. Um, and just get to share with you guys. But yeah, just as just Joey said, thank you guys. You guys mean so much to us, to our family, to our ministry. Um, we couldn't do it without you. I love the fact that they actually can't talk without crying because that means that there's something going on down deep inside here and, and you want to be a part of that and you want to hear about that. I, I spent some time, was able to spend some time with Joey this week and heard the miracle story of Santiago. Don't miss that. Don't miss Saturday night's opportunity to come and hear that. She may cry when she tells it. It'll be okay. We'll get her some tissues and we'll make it through, okay? But if you want to know if God's still moving and God's still doing things and you don't know, this would be a great opportunity to come and hear how God can orchestrate, uh, now I'm going to tell the story, so let me just stop, uh, how God can orchestrate uh, things in people's lives. But thank you guys for sharing. We love you guys. We pray over them before we leave, and then I promise we'll, we'll leave. Thank you guys so much for being here today. I love to give kind of last-minute instructions, too, because there might be somebody here today that had never received Christ before. You don't even know if you received Christ. You're just kind of here. You didn't come forward. You sort of just prayed in your seat. You said something we want, our job is to be here for you and, and, to, and to see what God is doing in your life and to help you in that path. So again, even though we say in just a moment we're dismissed and we all leave and go to lunch, I'm not going anywhere. I would love for you to come tell me, uh, come see Joseph, come, come tell somebody, hey, I just want to confirm what God's doing in my life. I, I think I prayed this morning. I, I think God's doing something and calling me in, in some area. I, I need some help in some way that's why we're here. And so I don't want you to just leave and be gone and wonder what next. What next is to reach out to somebody here at the church so that we can guide you and direct you. That's our job, okay? So don't, don't just bail out in the parking lot and be gone. See Joey and Kelly before you leave. They would love to, to talk to you. Um, pick up one of these cool handouts that she's got. Those are out at the Welcome Center. Maybe somebody could stand at the door. Do we have any volunteers to hand those out? Um, thank you, Miss Linda. And uh, she's like, me? Um, just get involved. I'm telling you, God's doing a great thing uh, in every area of the church, connect groups uh, out throughout the week. So before I preach again, God, we love you. Would you just extend a hand this way as we pray over them? They're going to be with us next week too, but God, we love you. We thank you today for all of your blessings. We thank you for the work that you've that you've done here. Lord, we just ask for a special blessing on, on Joey and Kelly this week as they prepare for this Saturday. This is not just another dinner, another event. This is life-changing, eternal stuff. This is the stuff we should have our eyes on that is eternal. And so we ask that we would get focused on that, participate in any way that we possibly can. But God, most of all, we pray that as we leave here today, we go out and we shine the light of Jesus. Our clay pots are broken. Our light is shining. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. Don't feel like you got a rush, but church is dismissed. We love you. If you need anything, reach out to me this week. P. Rob's on a cruise ship, so he's not going to hit you back, but I will, okay? So let me know.